Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're a local, come be our guest one Sunday morning. You can learn more about the church, get directions and such from our website, which is calvary316.com. Also want to point out, we have a media hub, so if you're interested in our sermon content, uh, c316.tv is our media hub, and if you want to check out the church without necessarily visiting first, uh, you can catch our live stream, which is on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash calvary316. Wherever you're listening, or however you're listening, I do hope you stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perception that the world has of Christians by boldly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. Now, if you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show for any length of time, you know that it's our heart to hear from you, the listening audience. Uh, It's very important to us. Uh, If you have any questions about anything said on the show, uh, if you want to challenge something or an opinion you didn't like, again, Christians are not monolithic in thought. We can agree to disagree agreeably. If you'd like to submit topics you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, literally nothing is off limits. There are several ways that you can reach me. First, our email, info at outlawradio.org, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, and our Twitter handle is at radio underscore outlaw. Again, email info at outlawradio.org. Our website, by the way, is outlawradio.org, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, and then our Twitter handle is at radio underscore outlaw. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'd love to hear how our show uh, may be blessing you, how it may be encouraging you, um, how the Lord might be using this in your life uh, to do cool things. If you're listening on the radio, I want to encourage you uh, to check out our podcast. Uh, It's just a reality because of the length of our show that it's often difficult for someone to uh, hear the entirety of the episode. So it's hard for you to stay with me for the entirety of an hour. It's difficult. We get that. Um, But don't be alarmed. If you're listening on the radio and you can only uh, catch part of the show, we have a podcast. Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted. Uh, Our podcast is available on iTunes. It's available on Google Play, however you access podcasts. If you don't know what a podcast is, very simple. Instead of you going and searching for audio, the audio comes to you, whatever device it is that you happen uh, to utilize to listen to digital media. And so if you, for example, have an iPhone, you have a podcasting app. Uh, In that app, you can subscribe to podcasts you want to listen to. And so when we, if you subscribe to the Outlaw Radio podcast, when we post a new episode, it will immediately download to your phone so you can listen to it. If you're working out, if you're going for a run, if you're in the car, wherever you happen to be, Uh, you can catch up on the show. Meaning, if you're in the radio and you can only catch a part of the episode, uh, go to the podcast, download it, and then uh, pick up where you left off. Uh, No big deal. The easiest way to get to the podcast, obviously you can search my name, which is Zach Adams, Z-A-C-H-A-D-A-M-S. But our website, again, outlawradio.org, we have some quick links uh, that make it very, very easy for you to find the podcast and subscribe to it. I would also just personal note, kind of a a bit of a favor. If you like the content that you're getting, uh, leave us a rating. Um, It's always good. It helps in kind of the search profile when people leave ratings on the podcast, uh, increases our our searchability. Uh, If you don't like what you're listening to, don't leave a rating. We only want five-star reviews. Uh, We don't need uh, the negative ones. Now, I live in the land of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Georgia. It's where Chick-fil-A was founded. It's where it started. Uh, we have Chick-fil-A everywhere. Chick-fil-A, founded by Truett Cathy, um, has a kind of a Christian founding. The most notable characteristic of that or example of that uh, is, as Kanye West recently sang, uh, Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. It was the, uh, the belief of Truett Cathy, the conviction to have a Sabbath to honor Sunday. Uh, to leave that for his employees to be able to go to church with their families and just have the day off. Uh, Chick-fil-A is the most profitable uh, fast food company uh, in America, one of the fastest growing, um, but it's also kind of a a, a point of contention. Uh, Truett Cathy was a a, a traditional fundamental Christian. Um, He held to traditional biblical beliefs, things that the majority of Christians hold to. Uh, He had a traditional 
view on marriage, that a marriage was between one man and one woman for life. Um, subsequently, uh, he believed that, uh, that gay marriage, uh, that, that gays couldn't get married in regards to the biblical definition of what marriage is. As a result of these positions, Chick-fil-A, I think, uh, indiscriminately and inappropriately has been labeled uh, by the LGBTQ plus community um, as being homophobic, bigoted. Um, as a matter of fact, it's been targeted uh, by certain organizations. Uh, the reason I bring this up is that uh, very disappointed uh, this past week about something that happened, something that hit the news, and it was that via the pressure being put on Chick-fil-A by uh, certain gay interest groups, uh, they have pulled funding for two organizations in particular, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, as well as the Salvation Army. Now, in the press release, uh, it was articulated uh, that it was really Chick-fil-A making a decision to shift their funding, uh, their charitable contributions, um, to organizations more focused on feeding and caring for the homeless. That it really had nothing to do with uh, the overt Christian nature of these two organizations, but more of just kind of a policy change, uh, fine-tuning where they're sending their money uh, to homelessness. I, I call that malarkey, mainly because the Salvation Army, that's kind of what they do. They focus tremendous amounts of resources on caring for the homeless, uh, and it would appear, at least on the surface, until more information comes out, uh, that they caved to the gay lobby, that they caved to special interests, um, and that they pulled funding from Christian organizations that hold to fundamental Christian beliefs about sexuality, gender, and marriage. That's fine. Chick-fil-A can do it at once. The problem is, is that there is this undeniable existence of this cultural move classifying anyone that holds a traditional view of marriage and gender and sexuality um, as not just being um, wrong, but being dangerous, that these positions are dangerous in our secular society. Um, it is no longer in vogue uh, to speak about traditional biblical positions about marriage. Uh, in fact, it's quite dangerous. Um, we have all kinds of legislation in the works, uh, people being targeted, um, the uh, uh, religious freedoms being infringed upon. And this is just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But it got me really thinking People don't like to talk about homosexuality um, because it's dangerous to do so. Um, you're inviting controversy. That being said, the Outlaw Radio Show, we don't shy away from matters of controversy, especially when they're matters that need to be discussed, that need to be addressed, that need discussion, especially within the Christian community. Uh, there's more and more of a, of a move within evangelical communities uh, to downplay uh, biblical positions on these, on these issues um, in order to be more appealing, to be more relevant, to be less controversial, uh, to avoid some of the persecution that's coming with them. But this has got me thinking a lot about just some serious questions that the church um, isn't taking the time, an appropriate amount of time, uh, to speak on. The idea of being gay, homosexual, this intertwining of sex and identity. What does it mean to have a same-sex attraction? These are questions that we should wrestle with as Christians. It's universally accepted. It's a norm that people are born gay. And therefore, because they're born a certain way, their sexual attraction is no longer a choice. That there's then nothing wrong with a person engaging in that particular lifestyle. They're just living out their biology. But, but the question is, is, is that true? Are people born that way? And if they're born that way, is being born with a certain genetic pre propensity justification following through with that predisposition like why are some people heterosexual while others are attracted to the same sex is it purely biological 
can, as others surmise, early sexual experiences that that people have as children. Does does that have an effect on our sexual development later in life or or in puberty? There are some that claim that sexuality boils down to a free-willed decision. These are questions that the church isn't isn't asking, isn't bringing up, topics we're not we're not considering with any type of weight or seriousness. There are moves within Christianity uh, to accept the notion that the Bible really doesn't have a prohibition against homosexuality. And that in the end, uh, Jesus, well, his position would have just been love wins. It's almost as though if you don't fully embrace homosexuality, you're, you're somehow pigeoned into a position that you are anti-love. Beyond that, there are big questions that we should be grappling with. For example, can you be a practicing homosexual and be a born-again follower of Jesus? Like, in a sense, can you be a gay Christian? Can your identity be both gay and Christian at the same time? Aside from that, if you find yourself presently struggling with a same-sex attraction, does that mean that you haven't been regenerated? Like, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've gotten saved, your identity's in Christ, but you still have this struggle, what does that mean? Is that abnormal? Is it normal? Should it therefore then be permissible? Or, or like, how do we deal with these things? Gay conversion therapy. Illegal in 18 states. Prohibits having even discussions with minors concerning sexual orientation or gender identity via spiritual interventions. Can a person's sexual orientation change? The irony is that we see that. We see it biologically. We see it practically in human beings. In light of this, as parents, as parents, how do we deal with our children or our teenagers that are having real struggles with their sexual identity. And let's be real, that's happening more and more frequently because we live in this really weird world that's putting social norms that run in direct contradiction to biblical ideals. How do we deal with that as parents? Do we deal with that? Can we deal with that? Should we deal with that? How? Do we deal with that? Why is it that this LGBTQ lobby is so militant towards Christians? I mean, gay marriage is legal in America. The rights of gays are not being infringed upon. You have the right to marriage, to healthcare, to the benefits that come with it. But what about Christian rights, the right to a religious conviction? Why is there such just this militant nature that not only... Uh, are we to concede their liberty, but that we're also supposed to be in the full-blown celebration of it. And that if we're not, we're somehow bigoted. How should the church handle these things? Should we welcome uh, practicing homosexual into the church community? What do we do with, with gay couples that come to the church? As I considered these things, I wanted to interview someone that could speak with authority. And as I just mulled on this more and more and more, one name came to mind. When we come back, I'm going to introduce him, and we're going to engage in a two-part episode with Sam Alberry about homosexuality. One of the most important visions of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to challenge you to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on your own. The sad reality is many Christians fail to reflect Christ because they don't know what they believe or why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to the Outlaw Radio Show tackling tough topics you might not hear at church, it is our desire to equip, inspire and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this important process, we want you to check out blueletterbible.org. It would be an understatement to say that this website will transform the way you study the Bible. In fact, it will revolutionize it. 
Aside from their treasure trove of free online commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it super simple to dive into the original language behind a text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture and in the process, learn and grow, we encourage you to check out blueletterbible.org today. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Sam Alberry is an ordained minister in the Church of England and a pastor of an Anglican church located in the UK. He is also a consulting editor for the Gospel Coalition, a global speaker for the Robbie Zacharias International Ministries, an author of numerous best-selling books like Why Bother with Church, James for You, Is God Anti-Gay?, and most recently, Seven Myths About Singleness. Aside from these things, his Twitter bio claims Sam is a connoisseur of Thai food. So it's my honor to welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, Sam Alberry. Thank you so much for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sam, before I get your insights into some very uh, weighty issues concerning sexuality, I want to begin our time by having you share with the audience your unique backstory. And the reason I want to do that is as you wrote uh, in your book, Is God Anti-Gay?, your personal experiences uh, have really afforded you a profound perspective on these controversial and deeply relevant topics. I've read your book. As a matter of fact, I actually, my first exposure to you was uh, a lecture you gave uh, at the pastor's conference at uh, the Robbie Zacharias International Ministries headquarters. Blew me away. And so could you take just a few minutes, because not a lot of my audience probably knows who you are, and uh, just kind of tell, tell us a little bit of your backstory. So my, my background is I, I became a Christian when I turned 18. Um, but in the years running up to that, I had become aware as a non-Christian young teenager that I was attracted to other guys and not to, to girls. So I was just coming to the point where I was thinking, okay, I'm gay, this is the way it is, this is who I am, and was beginning to sort of think through how to explore that. Uh, and that's when I became a Christian, as it happens. So um, it, it's interesting. My conversion was, was late enough for me to have begun to, you know, acknowledge those feelings and get to the point where I was ready to begin acting on them. But my conversion was early enough that I never actually got around to acting on them. And so the Lord has spared me, I'm sure, many griefs um, because of that. So it means that when I became a Christian, obviously a big area of, of interest and relevance for me was going to be what Jesus says about sexuality, what the Bible has to say. Um, so that became a, a necessary area of, of study. Before it became a kind of culturally significant issue, it was, it was personally significant to me. I needed to know what following Jesus would mean and what it would look like in this, in this part of life. And then when the issue kind of blew up culturally, um, you know, I, I found it, it was it was good to have some people speaking into these issues from the inside of them, people who had personal experience and and so on. So that's that's sort of the story of how I've come to write and and speak on these things. And it, it's still an issue I, I wrestle with to this day in different ways. So. Um, it's not all in the past. There are still ongoing struggles, ongoing battles of temptation that I, I continue to experience. What was it about Jesus that caused you to go into the ministry? Because it's not just that you're a Christian. Um, you're, you're a minister, you're a pastor, you pastor a church. Yeah, I think it was, well, when I first came to, to Christ, um, I was convinced of his goodness, and I knew what he had done for me. And I knew I could trust him with my life. And I didn't know at that point what Jesus said on all kinds of issues, not least on human sexuality. But I knew enough about him to know that whatever he did say, I would be able to trust. And so my, my conversion really was a, the experience of, of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And something else happened very soon after my conversion. I, I just The Lord put it on my heart at a very young stage in my discipleship to want to help others to taste and see of that goodness too, um, which was very counterintuitive. I, I grew up with a, a, a very significant fear of public speaking. And so going into kind of pastoral ministry was, was by no means an obvious um, course of action. It, it wasn't on the trajectory that I had seen my life going in. 
But I just had this growing burden to be someone who could help strengthen other believers in their faith. And that, that's been the desire of my heart as a believer really since I was, I was converted. Um, and that, that led over to then the next few years as I grew as a, as a Christian, I just felt an increasing burden to be giving myself to the, to the work of, of local church ministry. And what I now do is Love Zacharias Ministries, I'm a, I'm a kind of an itinerant apologist, but I, I see what I do with them really as an expression of being a pastor, um, particularly around these issues. I'm not trying to be a clever cultural analyst or anything like that. I'm really just wanting to help strengthen the church and its clarity and um, poise and so forth on, on these kinds of very sensitive issues. In your book... Uh, is God anti-gay? And if you're listening, I encourage you to go to Amazon to find it, purchase it. Uh, it's such a, a, a an easy read, but so informative. But in the book, you discuss the fundamental problem with people describing themselves as being gay or a homosexual. And your problem with that is that it kind of relegates the topic to just this central identity issue. In fact, you intentionally employ the phrase in the book, same-sex attraction, uh, in order to combat that notion and kind of frame the discussion in a different way. And I say that to kind of introduce the, the, the first question. Can you elaborate on why you find it alarming that sexuality in our culture has become so intertwined with identity and explain why that is so significant? And then secondly, can you unpack why employing the phrase same-sex attraction is so vitally important? Thank you. Yes, this is this is something as I began to sort of feel my way through this issue as a as a as a new believer, as I began to talk about it with others as well. I, I needed language to describe the temptations I was experiencing and, and those sorts of things. And obviously the most obvious language the world would offer us is the language of being gay. Um that's how they would encourage me to articulate my experiences and, and everything else. And I never felt I never felt comfortable with that um, as a Christian because it it is the language of of identity. It's not describing a particular aspect of my of my experience as a human being. It is it is saying something about the place of that experience in in how I see who I am. I, I think firstly our sexuality, whatever our sexuality happens to look like doesn't want that kind of star billing in our own understanding of who we are. But secondly, my understanding as a Christian is that as, as, as we come to faith, as we come to know Jesus, we are given a new identity. And therefore, all the things that belong to our sinful nature are not now who we actually are. They may still be things that tempt us. We, we are to expect ongoing temptation in the Christian life. I think the New Testament shows us that. But one of the things we, we do that helps us fight temptation is to understand our Christian identity. And so when temptation presents itself, I need to say to it, that is not me now. That used to be me. That is who I was. But it's not who I now am in Christ. And therefore, any aspect of my sinful nature, I would be going against the grain of who I am in Jesus if I was to indulge any form of temptation. I, th- I get this chiefly from passages like Romans 6 and 1 Corinthians 6 where I think Paul shows us the shift in our relationship to our sinful nature as we come to faith. And I, I think I'm really concerned with any Christian who makes any part of their fullness something that defines them. Because I think that's a fundamental category mistake. And it's not going to strengthen your resolve to fight sin if you still believe that in some way that sin is who you are. Because I think one of the the great lies the devil has for us is to say that is who you are. Stop trying to be something something you're not and just indulge it. So there's there's a I think it's 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 not just splitting theological heads, it is it's how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves is going to have a significant impact on how we fight sin. Um, if I believe that I am still fundamentally, definitionally, someone who is gay, it's going to be much harder for me to resist temptations towards same-sex affection and, and that sort of thing. 
you know, as if I'm clear that actually those as- any aspect of my sinful nature is, has been put to death in Christ. It is not who I am. The language of 1 Corinthians 6, such, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. Um, that changes your perspective. It, it actually gives you, I think it gives you strength to know that in the fight against sin. So I, I, I've never felt comfortable with, it, with the language of, of Christians saying that they are gay. I think, it, I think it's, a, it's a mistaken anthropology. And I think trying to live an ethical life with a sub-Christian anthropology is a dangerous, I just think it's an unstable compound and, and is not one that will, I can see, working well in the, in the, long, in the long term. Just a couple of very quick caveats. Um, the, the first of which is there have been one or two times when if I've been doing something with secular media, um, they don't understand any other language other than the language of being gay. So there have been, I think, no more than one or two times when I've used that language and immediately qualified what I've meant by it. And the other caveat would be that when, when people come to faith from that kind of background, that can often be where you know the language they they're used to to using, and it can take a, a while in someone's discipleship before they find better language. So I don't want to kind of launch a crusade against every brand new Christian who says, "Hey, I was gay, but now I'm a gay Christian," um, because I'm, I'm you know we don't get all of our discipleship done overnight the moment we're converted. But I, I, it's not desirable language, and it may be a natural starting point for you believe it, but it is not, I think, a healthy destination point for how they speak of themselves and, uh, and think of themselves. Same-sex attraction doesn't solve all of those issues, um, but I think it, it's better language than the language of, of being gay. What a fascinating thought. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of the Outlaw Radio Show. The issue of homosexuality in the church is one that we really need to consider as Christians. Today, Pastor Zach is talking with Anglican Pastor Sam Alberry. Please come back in just a moment as Zach and Sam continue their conversation on the second half of the Outlaw Radio Show. Now here's Zach Adams and Sam Alberry with the second half of the Outlaw Radio Show. In our day, it's become universally accepted, kind of a norm, that since people are, quote, born gay, uh, their sexual attraction therefore isn't a choice. They're, they're just going along with, uh, with who they are living out their biology. In fact, um, recently... One of our presidential candidates, Episcopalian Mayor Pete, uh, who's married to his male partner, he said, quote, the thing that I wish the Mike Pence's of the world would understand, and again, he's referring to our vice president who holds a traditional biblical view of marriage and sexuality. He continues, though, if you have a problem with who I am, your problem is not with me. Your quarrel is with my creator. Um, As you know, there is a growing wave of, quote, Christian voices that are attempting to normalize homosexuality within the church. And to do this, um, at least from my estimation, uh, they've marginalized what the Bible has to say on the subject and adopted the God made me this way, so it's okay mantra. That's a lengthy intro to a series of questions. But for starters, why do you believe some people are heterosexual while others are attracted to the same sex? I think that's kind of a, a, a basic question. Yeah, and I, I, I'd want to slightly reframe the question by, by saying actually that there's a, I mean, some people find themselves attracted to both the same sex and the other sex, but there's a whole host of ways in which uh, people experience different kinds of sexual attraction. Um, what is very clear from the Bible is that all of us are fallen in this area of life, and so Every heterosexual person I know is, is fallen in their heterosexuality, just as every person attracted to the same sex is, is fallen, and perhaps it's more obvious in, in the latter case. 
So it's interesting. That I think the Bible does put us all in the same boat. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Um, every area of life is is tainted by sin to some extent. Um, in terms of, of what has, has led some people to certain attractions rather than others, I think it's a very hard question to answer. Um, I would, I would take issue with, with Mayor Pete in, in that I think simply reading God's design off our present-day feelings is um, theologically, you know, reckless. Um, because it's acknowledging Genesis 1 and 2 and, and, and completely overlooking Genesis 3. Um, what we see in ourselves, every single one of us today, is that we are fallen image bearers. Well, I can't just say, well, I'm someone who gets very irritable when I drive, therefore God has made me an irritable driver, and therefore you've got to accept my, my irritability on the road. That, it just doesn't work like that. All of our, our desires and intuitions are fallen. So you can't just say, well, God made me this way. My temptations of whatever kind are not a sign of how God has made me. They're a sign of how sin has distorted me. Um, so I, I want to, to respond to, to that assertion from Mayor Pete and the many others who say that kind of thing, but I think that's, again, it's a, it's a very misleading anthropology. The Bible shows us we are created and we are fallen. Um, but I think I'd also want to say that there's, I don't think there's one straightforward answer for why some people are attracted to, to people of the same sex and others are not, other than... We know the fall twists and distorts and skews what are meant to be healthy affections and feelings, and, and those things get, get twisted in our in our fallen nature. Sometimes there are there are factors that, that seem to be um, contributing to this. You, you see that in sometimes people's background and experience. That you can think, well, I can see how that has played into the kinds of unwanted sexual attractions you now experience. Uh, in fact, I've just been I'm halfway through reading a, a book on this that I found very helpful called Unwanted uh, by Joe Stringer, which is, is again, trying to, trying to see the various ways of our unwanted sexual attractions sometimes are, are because of things that we've experienced, painful things we've experienced in the past. But I don't think there's one easy answer on this for everyone. I know some people who come from very stable, loving, healthy family homes and yet people found themselves attracted to people of the same sex. I think one, one aspect of what Mayor Pete said that I would, or I think it was him or maybe you in your introduction, one aspect I think they're probably right on is that most people don't choose these things. Uh, we don't choose what kind of person we find attractive. When we begin to experience those physical affections and feelings for the first time, for most of us it will be at some point in our teenage years, we don't sort of choose who we find attractive. We, we kind of discover that within ourselves. Now, what we then have a choice about is what to do with those feelings, whether to indulge them and, and to feed them and fuel them, or whether to resist them. But um, it seems to me that that's part of the imprint of, of the fall on each of us, that we have some kind of disordered sexual design, whether that's to people the same You touched on this, but um, let me frame the question just so you can kind of reiterate. Uh, Does being born with a certain genetic propensity, same-sex attraction, does that justify then following through with the predisposition? Oh, not at all. And we know this because Jesus said in, in John 3 that if anyone would see the kingdom of heaven, they must be born again. Um, Jesus. I mean, that's that's such a familiar saying of Jesus, and yet we we lose how how spectacularly offensive it is because Jesus is saying none of us was born right. Um, the biblical account is not that we were born innocent, but that we are born fallen, and therefore we need to be reborn in order to be those who can uh, enjoy eternity with our Creator. So. Again, I think the Bible, in, you know, very strikingly levels of playing field on this, and says all of us were born wrong, which is why we need to be reborn um, by Jesus Christ. So, 
if someone does, it turns out, have some kind of genetic predisposition towards same-sex sexual feelings, that, that of, of course does not justify that person acting on those feelings. It doesn't make those feelings uh, morally good. We're all born with propensities towards certain kinds of sin. Um, some people are born with a propensity towards addiction or um, aggression, any number of things, but we can't justify those things just because we had a, we were born with some kind of predisposition towards it. In your book, one of the things that I, I really appreciated was that you, you take a whole chapter where, and you kind of even set it up, and correct me if, I, if I'm establishing this the wrong way, but in your discovery and, and your conversion and dealing with these feelings, you know, you go to the scriptures on your own as you're being discipled, and and you even make the, the comment loosely that um, I was I was I had a reason to try to read something into the text that maybe wasn't there, and over and over and over again, I came to this reality of of what the Bible actually does say about homosexuality. Um, you go through every passage in the Bible that that touches on this particular topic uh, extensively, and, and I, I found it really fascinating making you, in a lot of ways, kind of an expert on the topic. So just for the audience, for, for the individual that maybe argues, like Mayor Pete, that the Bible doesn't have a prohibition against homose- homosexuality, and that in the end, you know, this loosey-goosey that, you know, Jesus would, his ultimate perspective would be that love wins, what would you say to the person that makes that particular argument? I think I want to say two things, and the first is that you know, the, the Bible does explicitly prohibit any form of, of same-sex, romantic or sexual behavior. Um, we see that clearly in, in the sort of half dozen or so passages that directly talk about this. But as well as those explicitly prohibitive texts, the biblical vision for marriage itself rules out any kind of same-sex sexual behavior, just as it rules out adultery and prostitution and sex before marriage as well. So I don't think we even need those prohibitive texts in the Bible to show us that actually these things are not these things are not appropriate. They're not part of God's design for human sexuality. Even what Jesus says himself in the Gospels is enough to show us these things. The, the um, passages that prohibit it simply confirm that. But Jesus shows us that he sees Matthew uh, he sees in, in Matthew nineteen marriage being between a man and a woman. He shows us in places like Mark 7 and Matthew 15 that, that any sex outside of marriage is a sin. So it's very clear, even from the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels, that the biblical view of marriage necessitates um, the prohibition of any kind of, of same-sex behavior in that kind of context. So the way I, I try and say it is the Bible doesn't give us a theology of homosexuality. It gives us a theology of marriage and the prohibitions against same-sex behavior are but one outworking of that theology of marriage. And then I'd, I'd want to say, in response to the second part of, of your comments, that actually, if God is love, then how he's designed us to live is going to be the most loving way to live. I'm never going to end up loving people more or better if I'm living in disobedience to, to how God says I, I should behave with that person. So... I, Someone may experience deep romantic longings and sexual attraction to someone of the same sex, but actually they would be loving that person less if they acted on those feelings and loving that person more if they related to that person in the way God calls us to. We are never going to love better by disobeying God and we're never going to end up you know, loving people less or worse if we obey God. The problem in our, our culture is that we have so collapsed our understanding of love into the idea of sexual intimacy that we've, we've forgotten there are actually different ways we express love to different people depending on who they are. And so we, we can't follow a God who is love and end up with a net decrease in, in how we love other people. It's just not, it's just not possible. So love does mean but love is expressed in obedience to God. I'm just not... It's not love that has won if two people have a sexual relationship and they're the same sex. 
So that's a failure of life, not a success of life. We're running against a hard break. We're going to continue this conversation with Sam. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the Outlaw Radio Show. Did you know beyond the unique content of the Outlaw Radio Show, Pastor Zach Adams also has an extensive teaching archive available online for free? If you love to study the Bible, we encourage you to check out c316.tv. Currently, Pastor Zach is teaching verse by verse through the Gospel of John, but c316.tv also has video, audio, and sermon notes for the Gospel of Mark, the Book of Acts, Ephesians, Genesis, Philemon, Jonah, Philippians, as well as an in-depth study on the Olivet Discourse and Jesus' seven letters to the churches recorded in Revelation 3 and 4. With over 17,000 minutes of expositional Bible teaching and more than 2,775 pages of written sermon transcripts, C316.tv is a must-visit for any serious student of the Bible. I'm going to phrase the, the next question kind of in a twofold way, and I'm going to do this very carefully because this is where this conversation almost always lands. Um, can you be a practicing homosexual and a born-again follower of Jesus? And then the second part to the question, if you still find yourself struggling with same-sex attraction, does that mean you haven't experienced regeneration? Very, very, very important questions. Um, in response to the first question, I'd, I'd want to say two things. I'd want to say, firstly, I'm going to hold both of these things together. Uh, the first is the Bible makes it very clear, First Corinthians 6 comes to mind, that people who do not repent of this particular form of sin, it's not unique to this sin, but it certainly includes this sin, People who don't repent of this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, the second thing I'd want to say is is that that is not saying Christians are those who are, are utterly sinless and perfect. The issue is the presence or, or absence of repentance. Uh, the mark of the of the real converted, born again uh, Christian believers is not that they don't sin anymore but that they are repentant. They're living a life of ongoing repentance so that when we do stumble and fall, we repent genuinely, heartfeltly. Um, so there may be Christians who, who are battling this very temptation and who do succumb from time to time. I wouldn't want to say that must mean they're not Christians, but I'd want to know, is are, are we seeing the marks of true repentance in their lives? Are they, are they grieved deeply by their sin? Um, are they desperate to, to know the purity of, of life in Christ? And that's, that leads into to your second question, which is that I don't think the Bible promises us that we will be experiencing the removal of temptation as we grow in Christ. Um, the promise I do see in the Scriptures is that God will always give us a way out of temptation. That we never have to, we never have to succumb to temptation. But it seems to me the New Testament expects us to be fighting temptation. And so I, I think that's the case for all of us. Now, that's not to say our, our feelings can't change. Um, but I don't think the Bible promises that if someone comes to faith in Jesus, then any kind of temptation towards people with the same sex will, will kind of evaporate um, as they grow in Christ. Um, I know too many really godly older saints who still fight sin and still fight temptations that they've been fighting for decades and yet are, are, you know, are determined to live for Jesus. Um, so I, it's one of the things where we, we must not go further than the scriptures do. And I, I've heard a number of Christians say, well, if you're really a Christian, you would start to have feelings for the other sex. And I just don't see that being being spelled out in that way in the Bible. Um, if, if that supposition is correct, I can't be a Christian. Um, but I also want to say, what about those who experience heterosexual temptation and continue to fight that throughout their life as a, as a Christian? Does that mean they're not believers? Um, and I think if you, if you go down that way, I don't know who's left standing because, you know, all of us experience some kind of temptation. James 1 says, when you are tempted, he doesn't say, if you are tempted, he says, when you are tempted. When you Paul says, 
um, you know, we're to, we're to put to death the misdeeds of the, of the flesh. That's a daily experience. We are constantly mortifying our sin. Um, Galatians 5 talks about the, 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 the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit and the two are, are fighting each other. So I, I see Christian maturity not in the absence of, of a battle of sin, but in the very presence of that battle. Um, if we're genuinely converted, there is an almighty battle going on in our souls now because the Spirit of God is drawing us to Christ and that the deeds of the flesh are still there and they're still tempting us away from Christ. And it be, I guess the sign of a true believer is, is the presence of that fight, the presence of that desire, that our deepest desire, deeper than our desires for any kind of sin, is, is to live in obedience to Jesus. Honestly, there is so much more to discuss with Sam that we're going to kind of table the topic for now. And then next week, we're going to pick back up where we left off, uh, having this very, very important discussion about homosexuality. Again, let me just take the opportunity to reiterate that uh, we want to hear from you, the listening audience. And with a topic like this in particular, um, if the Lord is using this to speak to you, if there's questions that come as a result, uh, reach out to us. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, and then there's our Twitter page at radio underscore outlaw. If you were unable to listen to this episode in its entirety, don't forget about our podcast. You can find our podcast. It's available on iTunes as well as Google Play. The easiest way to get there is to go to our website, which is outlawradio.org. You'll see in the top right-hand corner, a podcasting tab. Click on that, and then there's quick links uh, that get you to the podcast. If you're already a big podcaster, just search my name, which is Zach Adams, Z-A-C-H-A-D-A-M-S, and subscribe. Uh, Important, because again, this is only part one of what is a two-part, two different shows, um, all with Sam discussing this topic of homosexuality. I also just want to take uh, a moment to encourage you uh, to check out uh, Sam's books. Uh, He is a fantastic author. Uh, Very easy to find his books on Amazon. Go to amazon.com and then just search his name, which is Sam Alberry, A-L-L-B-E-R-R-Y. And particularly in regards to this topic, his book, Um, Is God Anti-Gay? It's a fantastic read, Um, really informative, very helpful. As a matter of fact, I've bought several copies and I've given them out to parents, to friends that are dealing with these type of topics, uh, these type of issues, whether either personally or at home. Uh, Great resource just to have in your back pocket. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you like what you heard, please contact your local Christian radio station and just thank them that they are carrying this type of programming in your community. Uh, Always understand a lot of these radio stations, these little Christian FM stations across the country, uh, the people that are running them, they're typically churches, and they're doing it as a ministry. Uh, Most of them are the definition, the very definition of being nonprofit. As a matter of fact, they probably do this at a loss. And the reason? Well, they're sowing seeds of the gospel uh, into your community, uh, they need your support, so I encourage you to, to contact your station, find their website, find their Facebook page, let them know, say thanks, glad you're carrying program, and if you feel generous, uh, maybe even contribute. Uh, again, uh, my name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Uh, the podcast, don't miss it, outlawradio.org. Info at outlawradio.org, easy email address, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, Twitter, if you're into Twitter, at radio underscore outlaw. And again, uh, check out Sam's materials, go to Amazon, look it up, buy a book, and, uh, and also check out the Robbie Zacharias International Ministry. Again, my name's Zach, don't go anywhere. We'll be back this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show. been listening to the one and only outlaw radio show with zach adams as mentioned if you like what you heard be sure to connect with us on facebook follow us on twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org 
To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.